My guest today is Leslie Lorenko. She's the America's Channel Director for Puppet. Leslie, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. Very excited to be here. Uh, likewise, Leslie, I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you grew up, what, what was that like? Yeah, um, my father was an officer in the Navy, so I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, but as a Navy brat, sort of up and down the coast. Um, when I was a teenager, we ended up in New Hampshire because he was stationed out of Portsmouth. So he ran uh, uh, nuclear targeting on submarines was what he did. So um, we ended up at only the nuclear bases, which was one in Portsmouth. Um, so yeah, I ended up being from Portsmouth for a long time and uh, I went to school in New Hampshire and it's, uh, it's a lot of woods and it's cold and there's a lot of snow at a it's high a level. It's part of the country. It's, uh, I was there many years ago with my wife. Well, we were only going out at the time. That was back in 1986. And uh, we visited there with our grown-up children not that long ago in uh, Lake Winnipesaukee. Yep. That's, um, where is that? Um, it's I, basically the middle of the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be oh, fair, uh, the state is like maybe a two-hour drive all around. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm curious, there's a couple of things. I was going to say, first of all, you don't have a South Carolina accent. Well, honey, um, I can bring that out any old time you need. <laughs> I love it, I have to say. I really like, could we do that in role for the rest of the podcast? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, got, it's got that gun with the wind vibe to it. Yeah. Very uh, Charleston. Yeah. You, you mentioned the term Navy brats. I, I'm curious, what, what's that term about? I, I've heard oh, it before, but yeah, it's it's basically a term people use for like military children, right? So we're nomads, and it's it's a certain lifestyle. Um, you know, my father would white glove my dressers and stuff like that to make sure they were dust free, and he'd bounce the the quarter on the sheets to make sure I tucked in the sheets tight enough. So it's just a, a nomenclature to try and tie that all together that so life that's not just a stereotype you see on tv with army oh no no yeah i definitely live that that stereotype wow i'm curious then does that is there would you recognize another navy brat or i'm sure it's not restricted to navy but but services brat shall we say would you <laughs> recognize another one is there something in in and how you grew up both in terms of moving around a little bit and then also having that kind of yeah the white glove on on the on the on the dust uh uh i don't know what you call that obsession <laughs> um, yeah um maybe I've, I've met a bunch and we all have the same stories basically yeah you're always the I, new kid at school you're always your parents are stricter than the average bear like yeah mm. We all have the same sort of story. How do you think that's affected you in terms of your personality? How do you think it should say it's influenced and shaped your personality? Uh, I am, I am, I don't know if you follow Myers-Briggs at all. Uh, I am a very strong. But when somebody gets, gives out their type, it really, I, I'd I'd have to look it up. So I'm I'm not. Oh yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so like Myers-Briggs, I'm a really strong ENTJ. And that's like, I'm very uh, analytical. I'm very competitive. I'm very like, you just, I strive for excellence in everything. Everything I do has to be to the nth degree. That's interesting. And where do you come in the family? Eldest, youngest, middle? Only. Only? Ah, okay. All right. That's, <laughs> that's probably that's, more telling. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so you'd often see those characteristics in, in eldest or only children as well, but having that with that background as well must be uh, yeah, interesting. And, and so how does that manifest itself then in work? If I was a colleague, what would I say about you? What would I notice uh, in your behavior? Um, that's a good question. I suppose it would be... I'm very, very type A would be the most, I think, easiest definition. I'm very type A. Mm. Type A being driven, bottom line. Yep. Spreadsheets and all that that goes with it. A little neurotic, maybe even. That might come up a lot. <laughs> I'm curious. I'd just like to stay with your, because I am fascinated about that lifestyle and how it impacts people's personalities. Because I've, if you, for example, if you listen to, say, comedians, for example, people who are really good, quick-witted, there's often a thread there. That they often grow up in where they moved around a lot and they're, they're new in school. So in order to be accepted, they, they, they be, they're, they're funny. Yep. And, and they're very good at building a rapport with people. And so, you have to yeah, be. If yeah. you're always the new person, you have to be very quick to build friends and build allies and you just and you have to be really quick at assessing who's going to be your ally um, or yeah. who's going to be your enemy. And those things, yeah. I think, I think that's like almost instinctual is because yeah. you're always new, you have to figure it out fast. Yeah kind of interesting it does fascinate me because when you get to meet people then as well there's probably that going on at a subconscious level as to you're sizing them up maybe more than so than somebody who had a shall we say a more stable uh, environment growing up yeah it's, it's totally possible um yeah. i mean i think i i compare it to like my husband actually he's one of six grew up and lived in the same town and his mom and dad still live in the same house and most of his siblings live in the same town. It's the mm. weirdest thing in the world to me. Like they're mm. all there. None of them have ever left. Even, even her family, my mother-in-law's family, all live right there. Mm. And I just, I think that's so odd. And they, I think they tend to be a little, like my husband's a little nicer to everybody and takes his time to get to know people. And mm. I just, there's a lot of people and they, oh, I don't, uh, we're good. I'll move on now. Mm. Or, you know, we're quick friends. Is that an attractive quality you find in people? I don't know. I've never really thought about it, if I'm super mm. honest. Mm. It's, it's always a fascination to me when you look at people and what brings them together. And you often, I mean, I know it's a stereotype to say opposites attract. And I don't know if it's quite opposites. I think it's what's different. Sometimes people are attracted to or what's not in, in you, you'll subconsciously pick up in somebody else. Maybe. And vice versa. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very similar in every other capacity. Yeah. We're yeah. both strong-willed, headstrong, and, and type A. Yeah. 
That must be fun at times. It's highly competitive. Yes. We'll not go into it in any detail. Uh, I am curious, though, uh, about growing up. What was it that, as you think back, what was it you enjoyed the most? What was it, when you think back, that gave you that kind of sense of warmth? In what way? In in sense of when we, sometimes when we think back about our childhood, there's memories that we treasure. And if we were to go back to a place in time, that's where we go for however long. I'm just curious to know, in that lifestyle growing up in New Hampshire, what are those kind of memories that you treasure? Um, there's probably two things that jump to mind. The first one is, isn't necessarily tied to New Hampshire. It's everywhere we lived. My mom, so because my dad was in the Navy, we moved a lot. So my mom had to basically take jobs that you can move a lot. So she chose to work at McDonald's, actually. And most days at the end of her shift, she would bring me the new Happy Meal toy and a chocolate shake. <clears throat> and I remember that with, like, regardless of where we lived, that was sort of my consistent thing with her. And it was always nice. Um, and then in New Hampshire, I really, really got into music. And um, I started singing opera semi-professionally. Um, and that's, you know, I played a bunch of instruments and that was sort of my whole world there. You know, mm. it'd be six hours of opera practice mm. and school. And that was my world. I, I, I'm assuming that your father been in the Navy. Was, did he, was he gone at, on tours of duty at times? Yeah, at times. Um, yeah. By the time I was a teenager, he was getting out, and then he started to get into technology. So he got out and started working at um, uh, Cabletron and HP, and he was a, a SE and a global install, uh, professional services installer for those companies. Yeah. I, I'm curious so then. Traveling. You, yeah, well, uh, so I would imagine then that there was uh, an extra... I, I, responsibility on your mother that when your father was away then she was kind of single-handedly raising you and yeah she, but we kind of I was just going to say so I, I wanted to what I wanted to go with this was I wanted to ask in terms of what's influenced you and your perspective on work today and your role in work how much of that was influenced because you would have grown up and seen that your mother took a took a back seat career-wise because of your father's career yeah. nowadays people would have a different perspective on that. And I'm curious to know how that might have influenced your choices. I think that's, a, that's actually a really good line of questioning. I'll give you kudos on that for digging that one out. Um, yeah, that, that really stuck home with me. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to take a back seat, and I don't. And um, it's, it's funny now having kids of my own and seeing some of this. So my, my husband is, and we're competitive, so he doesn't give up either, but he's a VP of marketing at another company, at another tech company. So another sort of intense job, just like I have an intense job. Um, and it's always been something that we've sort of talked about lightly that was like, well, at some point, one of us has to step back. I kid you not, um, there was a point where uh, we did out like a six-week 
calendar and he'd be gone one week and I'm gone the next week and he's gone and I'm gone. And then we would fly in family if there was overlap. And we have a, we have a, a nanny that comes at night because we both have calls that run into the nighttime because he's covering global. I'm covering, you know, both coasts. So, and we have two very, very tiny children. Um, I mostly call them tiny tyrants or dictator tots. But um, our daughter is just over 18 months and my son is three. Okay. So we, this is a big actual thing in my life right now, trying to figure this out of like, mm. who's going to step back because somebody mm. has to. And at this point, there is, uh, it's, there's no one stepping back and we're just figuring out minute by minute. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really interested in this because I'm sure there's a lot of people who have this. And, I, and I'm wondering for myself because I never faced it. When, when my eldest was born, my wife, she'd said, look, and again, a lot of these, that was influenced by her growing up mm -hmm. and being, being sent away to boarding school at a very early age. She said, no, I'm, and that was it. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't even up for discussion with me. And, and, and so it was more around traditional lines in terms of responsibilities, mm -hmm. which, which simplifies things a lot. A ton. I keep joking yeah. that we need a third wife. Yeah. So we can um, have that. And I'm just wondering how you, how you do, because it sounds like you're in the midst of it right now and that it's just something you have to negotiate. And maybe there is a way. I'm just, yeah. I, I, what I'm saying is I, I don't know how I would have coped with that because the the expectations now have to be off the table of whose job that is. Yep. And it's, and, and in some respects, I would have liked that opportunity, but my wife was right. And she says, but I didn't have the traits to be left alone with young children. Even though I love them. Absolutely love them. Uh, in terms of organization structure, which is what fascinated me when you said, look, we've got these plans and we have it tied down and there's overlaps that would that would kill me having to time us. I'm not analytical at all. There's no structure in my personality, so I know the the craziness of a day to day and managing kids and getting to the school on times and making sure everything was 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 in place. I would have struggled with. So it was a kindness, an act of kindness, I think. <laughs> but uh, I, I I do, and I'm curious to know where, where where something like that goes because your story is is one of many of, of many people's story right now, and uh, is it is it a game? Is it? It's the way you presented it to me. It sounded like there was a game of chicken going on. It might be, um, but that's that's how we are. Like we're highly competitive. We yeah. uh, we can't wait to W two season here in the U S. So we can just prove who made more than the other. Um, <laughs> we're just. That's, that's who we are. Um, yeah. And we, I mean, we both adore our children and, and it's, but we're both driven and, and professionally want to be relevant. Um, yeah. You know, his mom took a step back and, and he doesn't want to, my mom took a step back and I don't want to be that example for my daughter either. Like mm. I don't want to take a step back. The, the difference is he doesn't have the burden of expectation. You do. Frankly. Yes. Yes, do you it's very that? true. Do, do you feel that? 
when I was pregnant with both my children, I, uh, I was still on the road as a rep till about 36 weeks. 36 weeks, I was flying back from, you know, Austin, Texas one time. And I remember being pregnant and everyone asking me, so who's our new rep going to be when you, when you finally go and give birth? Like, yeah, you're, you're stuck with me. I'm coming back. You don't get to leave me. Um, and that was, that was such a thing. It, and it came from all sides of the organization, both like customers and partners I worked with and even people internally who assumed I wasn't going to come back. And they're like, hey, would you mind recommending me to so-and-so because I'd love to have your job? Like, no, because I'm, I'm coming back. Yeah. I can um, imagine that that makes you even more determined. Yes. It's, it turns in, I would say, uh, at a certain point, it's no longer determination, it's spite. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, that I just, I'm not, that's not who I am. It's never, like, that's not in my personality. And God bless the women that can do it, because I can't. I adore my children. I cannot spend 24-7 with them. I would lose my marbles. Mm. Well, it says it takes a village to raise a child, so... It, it can't be on one individual or even just a couple. There's usually more people involved in that. And does it matter so long as they're loved? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I want to talk to you, Leslie, a little bit about now that, because now that, now that I see that your gander's up, I want to talk about that, but in a sales environment. Talk to me about your transition from sales into your current role in terms of some of the say, non-parental hurdles that you might have had to overcome? Yeah, I, um, I started my career as a direct rep. And I started at, you know, I, I have EMC blood in me. And we all know the EMC reps. Um, I, I don't, can you? Oh, yeah, they're, um, they're really headstrong. They're all really competitive. They're all really high achieving. And, you know, that was a place where you could be top rep one year and then the next quarter get fired because you just came under your number. Wow. It was, it's, it's just how it was. That's pressure. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and throughout my career, I was like, my sole focus was I want to be a majors enterprise rep at like a Cisco handling three accounts like JPMC, Verizon, and Comcast. Um, and I actually got to a point where I was managing, I had TD Bank, I had Monsanto, which is one of the craziest places in the world to visit. Um, and I had, you know, GE. And so I, I sort of got basically to that point. And I realized that no matter how hard I work, there's only one of me. But if I go to channel, I can find 50 of me and have them all help with my goals. Mm. And the sheer scale will always beat the single direct rep. And so I, I made the transition into channel. And um, with that, and then I, I started taking leadership roles. Mm. Um, but I just, I can see I could see more potential and more everything with channel because there's yeah. just more. Okay. I want to come back to you on the channel bit in a moment because the channel always fascinates me 
because now you're one step removed. Okay, so you say I'm getting scale on one on one hand, I'm getting scale, but on the other hand, you're more distant from the end customer. I want to talk to you about that, but just something you said very quickly, short detour. You said uh, visiting Monsanto was crazy. Oh yeah. What? Oh, I, yeah. I I only I know of the company a little bit, but I don't know why, why crazy. Um. So they have a compound in the middle of nowhere. It's a, it's a compound with like buildings A through J. Um, and you have to give them your car keys, your ID, your cell phones. Like it's like going to a DOD facility. And then there are, you are always escorted throughout the building. We, all the time? All the time. Wow. Sounds like a prison. It's, uh, <clears throat> it is, it is something. It is something. Yeah. What is it? What are they afraid of? People will t- t- take secrets or something? Probably. Maybe they're doing something. I don't know. I was going to say, what I are they? I don't want to speculate. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, yeah. It is like going to a DOD facility, though. It's real aggressive. Wow, 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 wow. Sorry, DOD is Department of Detention. What, what is it? It's- Department of Defense. Defense. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, we don't have an equivalent here, so... That's why our police in Ireland don't even have guns. So, like, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. Not, I'm not kidding I mean, yeah, you. Yeah, I forget the cultural difference. It's, it's vast. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't, you don't necessarily so. have the militarized encampments that we do. Yeah. Well, well our, our, our equivalent of DOD has a little a six foot wall maybe around it. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Because everybody's scared of Ireland invading them. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, but let's come back to Channel because Channel fascinates me. I've worked with Channel in the past a little bit. I've never been a Channel rep or in the middle, but I've worked with managers in Channel. And what I've, what I've noticed is that the, the, the challenges they have is that it's like being a sales leader in that you've got these resources who are kind of working for you, but you have zero authority over. So you have to use your influence with them. And you have you to have sell to them. And, and, and that's difficult because they often play different vendors off one another as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, so when you got into the, the channel side of things, what did you first notice about it that was different that you had to contend with? Um, what did I notice that was different? It would... It would probably, I mean, I'm going to say the people, people are different. Like partner reps are different than like a, a company's direct reps. They have different motivations. They have different, they're a different breed. It's a different breed of people. Mm. So the people are different. Um, direct reps, you can tell exactly what they want, what their goals are. It's all clear, black and white. And I think when you look at channel, there's a lot of gray, various shades of gray. Why is that though? Because they have to sell as well. Surely they're carrying a number just like, I mean, they, those reps are, the, are, are a direct sales force for their companies, no? Yes, but it's a fundamentally different scenario. So mm-hmm. if I'm a rep at a manufacturer, I go to a customer site, the customer already has the natural inclination to sort of distrust me. I'm going to naturally pitch my own product. I have a bias towards it. They know exactly what I'm there to do, period. 
the partner rep comes to the same customer. They don't know the motivations of the partner rep or what the partner rep is going to pitch. Partner rep can, you know, some of these companies have 800 vendors they support. So the partner rep is a different relationship with the customer. The customer sees the partner rep as somebody that is agnostic and somebody that can help them as a consultant in making decisions. They're not necessarily, they don't, they don't think partners are necessarily biased because they can sell anything. So they're just going to sell me the best thing, which is a fallacy, but that's the way customers think. So it's different because the, the partner rep has to also sort of maintain some of that and maintain that advocacy for their customer in the best you know, products and the best everything because they own the entirety of the customer too. If I'm the partner rep, I'm selling you your SAP, I'm selling you your Oracle, I'm selling you your Cisco, I'm, I'm selling you everything. My goal is to own all of your procurement budget. Hmm. At the manufacturer, my goal is to take as much of your procurement budget from my product line as I can. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So in terms then of you managing those relationships, what were some of the, I guess, the, the, the early challenges that you had that you had to overcome, apart from kind of understanding those differences? Um, I'm wondering, you know, what, where, where I'm thinking is, is, is not having that access to always to the end customer and, and just being one maybe sometimes, or being considered as part of a beauty parade rather than a strategic partner. Um, yeah, I think... Early on, I got burned a couple of times because I, I trusted maybe a little too much that they, like, they said a lot of nice things. They, we did lunch together a lot. Like, we seemed like we were friends. Like, I felt like they had my back. Mm -hmm. uh, and that wasn't the case. And so I got burned a few times. It doesn't take long that you start to learn differences. And, you know, being a Navy brat, I've, always been a better judge of character I think so you start to real quickly shift and, and pick up on that stuff but mm. I did get burned quite a few times yeah. on some big I remember deal that I was had about. talking to a guy at a company it was a software company I was working with and he had previously worked at a partner organization and he was telling me he used this term vendor baiting I'd never heard it before I said what's that and he laughed and he said that every now and again, you know, end of the month, Friday afternoon would come around. Uh, this was in the UK. And he turned to his colleagues and said, anybody fancy going out for a few beers? I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he said. And he'd pick up the phone and he'd call uh, an OEM rep. And he'd make up some cock and bull story about some opportunity that he had uncovered. And he'd said, yeah. I'd, lo I'd love to talk to you about it. What are you doing this afternoon? Why don't we meet? And it was some restaurant bar they were going to meet. And he said, I have a few colleagues I'd like to bring because they're heavily involved in this as well. And, and he did it knowing that the, the, the sales rep for the manufacturing company would pick up the tab. And so they, would, they, they had this thing, they would manufacture these deals in, in their head and they called it vendor baiting and they would just like, okay, no, we, we, we did them last month, who's next? And it'd be this kind of rotation they'd have. Mm -hmm. so hard, hard to believe, right? That people no, would do that. No, not at all. Thing. I've seen it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I think channel reps also have a long history of being professional visitors. Mm. And that's something that you have to, to be a successful channel rep, I think you have to break out of that. It's that those days are gone. You can't just bring lunch to the office and hang out with the reps for a little bit and then take them to sporting events or God knows what else back in the day, strip clubs even, <laughs> but that's gone. Now you cannot be a professional visitor anymore. I Once won't. replaced it. Um, I have to be your colleague, so to speak. So I need to be, you know, in those deals with you and we need to be working them together. Um, and the channel reps, I think, need to start, they need to pull their own weight by actually getting their hands dirty, so to speak. Sounds to me like it's a very different level of engagement and relationship. Yeah. More strategic. Yeah. Um, it's channels, not what it once was. Partners now have most of the capabilities on staff, so they don't even need the vendor. Like, mm. They've got a guy that specializes in puppet because he's been doing it for the last eight years and they hired him. They don't need my engineers anymore most of the time. Um, so you, you have to find a different way to prove value and you have to be at all levels of the organization. So you have to be talking to the CEO of that partner and making sure that, you know, you're helping align, you know, business costs and things like that and making sure that you know they're spending this time on training on my product and it's relating to this revenue that's coming into the door and we're going to do this that and the other thing to make sure it all balances out and becomes profitable and you're talking to them about that and about margins and you're talking to the marketing teams and putting together you know joint events and joint campaigns so not just like let's sponsor a lunch and learn it for XYZ Steakhouse. No, it's now, you know, I need to put together a campaign with email blasts, with content, with speakers, with, and you're, you're doing full-fledged marketing campaigns with partners now. And then you work with the reps individually and you start, okay, what accounts do you have? Here's accounts that I know about. Where can we mix together? What info do you have here? Well, I know so-and-so. Let me, I've been at partner offices and I've sat there and cold called with them. And you have to be one of them. You have to help them through that. And it's, I think that's how you earn their respect and trust. Yeah. Where's the line between helping them and them using you? I, I think that is something you have to figure out on each case by case basis. I don't think there's a clear, it's all gray. Everything in the channel is all gray. So you just, yeah. you have to use your instincts when somebody's being a slacker and when you're teaching them the fish still. Mm. Something I was always curious about when it came to channel sales was I, I, I've been asked over the years many times by some say organizations I would have worked with like an Oracle or an IBM, for example, and then their, their channel, their partner managers would have budget for quarterly kickoffs where they do product training, but they'd often ask somebody like me in to do a session on, it might be cold calling or negotiation, whatever. And it always struck me that the channel sales reps got no training. They, a lot of them work for smallish companies. 
and the the big the big company had a, had the budgets and had the money, but also had the training. And I often wondered: is there a gap in terms of sales skills between the larger companies, whether they're software, or hardware, and and channel reps? And and if so, then is it is it a frustration or is is there a is there a a discord when you see channel reps work on an opportunity and you see them screwing it up in real time and you want to step in but you can't um and i assume by channel reps you actually are talking about partner reps it sounds like yes sorry yes 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 um so as a channel rep for the larger company I like to try and modify some of what we're doing for our methodologies to help them along as well. So if I'm, you know, when I would work an opportunity with a partner, if we were doing Sandler or MedPick or Spin or Challenge or whatever it was, and they all have those forms, you know, exactly like the grid with your deal and I would always spin it to them as, listen, I've got to fill this out for my manager. I know it's stupid. Help me. And then you help them learn by them thinking they're helping you filling out something for management. I love it. Yeah, that's next level stuff, that is. That's playing that Columbo dummy up. Yeah. People's instinct is normally to help. Mm. If somebody asks you where's the bathroom, you're not going to point them in the wrong direction normally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just cruel. Work it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I think if you go to somebody and you genuinely look like you need help with something, their instinct, if they can, is to help you. Mm. Mm. What would you like to see change about the whole set of how that go-to-market channels, and when I say channel, I mean the entire, both partners and channels, how it's set up. What would you, if you had a magic wand and you could do anything with it, what would you like to see change about it to make it better, to work better for the end customer? Uh, today, as if I had a magic wand today, it would be that we could actually all be in person again. Okay, all right. This is the, well, well, let's, yeah, let's go with something so... simpler. Let's go with how we could change the world. <laughs> But I say that because this is, it's impossible to build these types of relationships remote. It's just so flipping hard. Uh, So in general, I would, um, I would like to see channel reps own their place a little bit more in, in some tech companies and their manufacturing companies. Cause I think sometimes because people don't understand how to do channels, or they've seen it done really badly, they sort of brush it off. Like if it comes in, it comes in great, but it's not my priority. And I, I think that's the wrong take. I think channel should be your priority and the direct reps can always help with channel. Everyone is, is benefits from channel being successful. Is that an attitude that comes from the top or is it people's observations of some organizations where the channel isn't as effective as it could be probably both Mm. um and i think it can come it's easy 
Like you get one direct rep who has been screwed by a channel partner at one point because they did vendor baiting, because they dual deal regged, because they did something unsavory. And, um, and then that rep tells all the other reps and it, it becomes this like negative connotation. Um, when in reality, it was one person behaving badly at one moment. Mm. And it gets blown out of the water. Um, yeah. I think channel reps end up spending most of their day jobs as marriage counselors between everybody. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Tell me, um, career-wise, what's next for you? Where would you like to go? Um, I don't know at the moment. <laughs> I've thought about it'd be nice maybe to run a global organization, channel organization and take on, like, I imagine the challenges are more stress is what you're saying. Yeah. I don't have enough stress. Give me more. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, you know, like you see all those calls you said, because I'm East and West coast, I'm up to late in the night. Let's add in Australia. Let's add in, you know, Japan. Let's add in London. Who needs sleep, right? (laughs) Sleep is for the week. I learned that very early on having children. Sleep is for the week, Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's part of me. Huh? I mean, if all your week you're sleeping, what do you do on the weekends? You, you see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. But, I so don't you're know. I've, something more I've global. thought about it. I don't know. Yeah. That could be interesting. I, I think the global bit is, is, is really then is where's the growth? It's in understanding and learning about new cultures. and Yeah. And, rather, and I don't think the job changes that much. The job doesn't necessarily change. Yeah. Like I, I now handle Latin America and South America and that's a whole different world too. And you're dealing with bad taxes and, and weird laws where they can actually like take back wire transfers. Um, so there's fun stuff like that. Uh, Yeah. It was funny because you said that you and your husband, when you've got your schedules one week, next week, next week, I said, if you're doing channels and you get to go visit the customer and you're going to Australia, you can say to him, I'm gone for three weeks, baby. It's all yours. And then when you come back, it's all changed. That's a good strategy. I like your thinking. I mean, what a better way, like week 12 of my son's life, first child, I left him and went to Boston for a week. Nice. Dive right in, honey. You'll figure this out. Yeah, and, and he did. They're still alive, so. That's, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's <laughs> what my wife went away, I remember once. And that's, anytime she'd pick up the course, she was worrying all the time. She was constantly calling me, you know, everything's okay. And I said, yep, they're still alive. They're still alive. Until one of them. Do you know what a BB gun is? Yes, I do. Yes. Well, my eldest, he might have been 12 years of age at the time. He decided, he decided to, it, it was blocked. He decided to look, look into it. Oh, God. To see what was blocking it. Yeah, I ended up then in A&E, or what do you call it, the ER. ER, yep. Hours. And he would pick the one weekend she went away. Of course. Of course. I mean, to be fair... All of our ER visits have happened on my watch, not his. So. <laughs> Very good. You made me feel a whole lot better. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, what I was going to ask you, te- yeah, just back to, to maybe because we've only got a couple of minutes left. I wanted to ask you if your house was on fire right now and you had to get out quickly, assuming everybody was okay, uh, what one item in your home would you grab? Probably. Uh, there's two items because I can't, I can't narrow anything down apparently in my life. Um, 
I would grab my grandmother's jewelry box because that's very sentimental. I have the wedding rings of like the last five generations in there. Wow. Um, so I'd grab that. And then I would grab, there is on my bookshelf, an elephant. Oh, I see him, yeah. Um, and, and, and why the elephant? I can understand the, the jewelry box. Why the elephant? So I was one of the top reps at my company, and we got an all-expense-paid trip as club for two weeks in Africa. And uh, when we were there, going on safari in Africa, like South Africa, is a life-changing thing. Um, so, A, we got that elephant while we were there. Um, but there was a voodoo, like, witch doctor thing. I don't, mm -hmm. know, I don't know how to better describe it. Um, that we met with while we were there. And um, she had actually predicted that we would be pregnant with my son the following month. And it was just, it was, it was the most, like we had been going through fertility for the last 18 months. Right. And so like okay, hearing so that, I was like, it's, okay, and that's interesting. So that stands um, out for you then. And yeah, and it stands out to me. And she made a, she's like, you know, she made some crazy statement about elephants are, are like the elephant will help you or some crazy nonsense. Mm. And like, as a joke, we got the elephant. And it was, that thing is heavy. And we squeezed it into a backpack and mm. flew home with it. And I hated f traveling with it. Like everything about it drove me nuts. And then a month later we found out. And like, now I look at the elephant and I think about that stuff. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, 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 cause, cause to me that sounds, it's, it's symbolic, not just, uh, yeah, it's symbolic of that struggle because you said you'd been going through fertility for 18 months. That can't be easy on anybody. And you must have all sorts of doubts, wondering, will we ever get pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. And the elephant represents that for you. Yeah. And it was like, it was a, it was a trip to celebrate hard work and success mm. and, and mm. victory. And then that victory sort of spilled over into more victory and it was yeah. it was kind of nice yeah now that now that you've got two children when are you putting the elephant away <laughs> i need to i can't handle the two i have <laughs> yeah you're going to come home so your husband's going to come home one day and the elephant will be gone in the trash you won't have to say anything end of the line baby yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> I love uh -huh. it. And, and I wanted to ask you just very finally, because we're just up in time, uh, your grandmother and you said you had five generations of, of rings in the jewelry box. Did you know your grandmother? Did you have a relationship with her? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I'm curious how much of an influence that is, because as somebody who didn't have grandparents, well, I had one, but she died when I was five and she was senile at that stage. So I'm curious to know about their, their influence on on you growing up and, and who you are now? My grandmother is probably my largest influence, to be very honest. Um, she had one child, my father, and she, um, like someone born in the 40s, um, she had three marriages, which was 
very rare for that time because she chose to get divorced. Um, so, and then she ended up retiring by the time she was like 50 because she ended up being one of the first female VPs at AT&T. And she was on the technical side of the house, not on marketing or sales or anything like that. She was a technical product manager. Wow. So she would have been a real trailblazer in her day. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I she, can see how that could be a huge influence. She never lost touch of who she was or her heritage. And because she was only, I mean, she, they came over during World War II from Italy. From Italy, okay. Yeah. Um, that's the Lorenko, I guess, is it? Oh, that's my husband, but yeah. Okay. Um, that's, just, is that an Italian name? I'm just curious. Portuguese. But Portuguese, Portuguese okay. Italian. All right. They're all they're all together. Actually, yeah, Portuguese. Okay. It the Z Lorenzo would make it Italian. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Got it. But yeah, oh, so she was yeah. she was a very impressive woman. Yeah. Sounds like uh sounds like we need more of them. And yeah. and, and that sounds to me like what you're doing for your your children. I would like to one day look back and say that I pushed hard and made an impact so that way my children could, that mm. my daughter knows that anything is possible. You cannot be superwoman. Mm. You cannot do it all, mm. but you can at least make the choice of what you want to do. In doing that, where do you feel the, those barriers that you're breaking down now, where do they exist now? Different for your grandmother. Where do they exist now? Um, she dealt with barriers of women should just stay at home. I deal with barriers like uh, more of my barriers are sales as a male-dominated industry, that women can't be you know, aggressive enough or um, they can't close as well and things like that. But statistically, actually, women make better sales reps than men. I would believe, I'd, see, I'd love, to, I'd, I'd love anybody to stand up anywhere on this planet that I've ever visited and tell me that that isn't true. Because that's been my lifelong experience. And I've been in sales, what, 25 years? That for, for many different reasons. Uh, unfortunately, women tend to doubt themselves. And I don't mean I don't that in, in a negative, it's, pejorative manner, but it, it is true. But in terms I of... I don't know that it's sorry. doubt, though. It's, it's not doubt. Okay. So I remember being like, an, like a sales development rep cold calling. Mm. And even as an early... Like, early on in my career, like it was always, I would call and they would think I was the guy's daughter. So they'd patch me through the CIO and I could always get somebody on the phone, but then it morphed throughout my career and it was still the same sort of thing. I would go to a meeting and I would answer the question asked by the technical people in the room, but they would look at my engineer who was a guy in his fifties and wait for him to answer mm. every time. And mm. so I was just treated differently than right. a guy. Mm. Um, Has and that I, changed? It, uh, sometimes. Sometimes I still get it. Mm. Sometimes it still happens. Now I, I now know how to deal with it better um, than when would I was. Tell? I'm curious. How would you? I've never faced that. So how do, how do you? Well, in, my, in my early 20s, I just kept my mouth shut and let them defer. 
Because in reality, it didn't matter as long as I collected the PO, I thought. Um, Nowadays, if I am the subject matter expert, I I will make my comment. And if they wait for somebody else, I'll interrupt the meeting and say, I already answered that. What other items do you have on the agenda? Um, So now it's owning my empowerment more. Yeah. I say that I don't know what it feels like. I actually do, because I know when my daughter was born and she was in hospital for a few weeks, I used to go in every day to wash her, because she was born prematurely. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was treated like a, like, like a fool. Like, I didn't know what I was doing because I was a man. Mm-hmm. So, so I know what it feels like, and I know how, I, how, how angry and how... It's not, it isn't even anger, it's, it's, it's demeaning. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but that's, that's a great example, actually, Paul, because it's probably the exact same feeling I would seem feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. They do it to yeah. my husband with our kids, too, so you're in yeah. good company there. I do want to ask you one final question very quickly is when your time comes to uh, leave this uh, earthly realm and there is a statue erected in your honor and at the base of the statue, there's a little plaque dedicated in your memory. What would you like it to say? Um... She tried. <laughs> That's it. That's she it. Tried. Uh, she All tried. Right. All you right. know, I tried. That's right. I, I may right. not always hit the mark, but I will always give my, my 100% effort. Okay. I appreciate that. Leslie Arenko, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. To the listeners of this podcast, if you've enjoyed it half as much as I have, please consider giving it a review. It would really be appreciated. Leslie, it was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed our chat today. Thank you so much for being my guest. It was a joy. I hope you have a great week.